Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. We'll get into this episode's conversation right after this. Gain the insight and knowledge that thousands of business owners and their advisors have used to plan for the future. The BEI membership equips you with the proven process that enables owners to exit their business on their terms. Receive access to case studies, podcasts like the one you're listening to now, a resource toolkit, and so much more. Cement your position as the trusted advisor to your most successful clients. Get started today by visiting exitplanning.com forward slash membership. That's exitplanning.com forward slash membership. Welcome back, everyone. It's so good to be back today. John, thanks for coming back in. I have been told by the powers that be that you have a topic that you want to talk about today, but I have no idea what it is. So why don't you uh, hit me with it and we'll see whether uh, we can find something to disagree about. I would love to try to surprise you, but I doubt that I can, Elizabeth Mower. So here is a topic that I think is interesting. I don't know how much we're going to talk about it, but here it's this. If you'll recall on our 2019 business owner survey, we one of the questions was asking the owners you know, when they wanted to exit from their businesses. And something that startled me actually was that 25% of the respondents wanted to leave their business within 10 years, but not sell it, to keep the business, but just not have to work there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I found that fascinating. Um, And I don't know, can we do exit planning for those owners who don't really want to sell the ownership, but just don't want to have to be there? Yeah, I, you know, that's, I would say, We kind of changed the way that questions were in that survey to try and see if we could get at that sentiment because we kind of have always seen it kind of lurking, I don't know, beneath the surface with a lot of the work that we do. And, and, and I know that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of advisors have clients in this situation and a lot, and a lot of business owners, uh, have these kinds of sentiments, they come out instead of in survey form, you know, it comes out in the form of, um, you know, uh, there's things I just don't want to do anymore. I just don't want to do the babysitting. I don't want to do the, the, you know, the sort of the supervising. I don't want to watch, um, you know, I don't want to be responsible for all of this or that in the company. When we started the company and we were small, it wasn't that much trouble to be a project manager, but I just don't want to do it anymore. And so that then I think does kind of grow into, you know, as your business grows, the amount of time you have to spend, you know, looking at your financial statements and dealing with your your HR policies, which you probably didn't even have when you started the business. And then, you know, and then cutting over to look at, you know, how you structure your customer contracts or your uh, you know, your, I don't know, other kinds of factors in the business. And people say, I just don't want to do that anymore. 
So I think that those are all variations on the theme of, I want to leave my business, but I don't want to sell. Some people want to sell their business, but they don't want to leave. They want to keep working. So, you know, don't you think that maybe that, that there is some kind of a subset of business owners who naturally separates whether they own or not and whether they work or not. And then other business owners who think that those things are inextricably linked. Maybe there's two groups of owners. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely the case. And I think the reason I find it interesting is I don't think that advisors as a whole ask the question to owners in quite the right way, because we usually say, when do you want to leave your business? Mm -hmm. And they may say never, but they may also not want to have to go to work anymore. <laughs> right? I'm never leaving, but I'm also not going. Yes. Yeah, I, think that, I, I, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to sell my business, but I don't want to be there anymore, I guess is, is, uh, how, what that question, mm -hmm. the answer to that question really led me to think that's just saying, yeah, I want to continue to own it. And I think there are going to be a lot of good reasons I want to continue to own it, but I just don't want to have to go there. And advisors don't really ask quite the right question to get at that response that now we know 25% of the owners, at least according to the survey, would like to do. They'd like to keep on owning the company. So when we talk about exit planning we usually are talking about exiting and selling, exiting and giving it to the kids. Some some way we're no longer involved in the business anymore. And, and I think a lot of owners would prefer this alternative. And we need to start addressing that questioning and also how we react to that owner response. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, I've seen it as one of the things that I uh, talk to people about, you know, when I'm maybe doing training for advisors and things like that is I'll say, you know, you really want to understand from your client, what kind of relationship they want to have with their business in the future. And that I, you know, I'm, I, it doesn't really matter what words you use, but I sort of like that way of thinking about it, that, a, you know, every business owner in, at least in a closely held family held kind of a business should really get to decide what's, what is the, what's the current relationship that they have with their business? It provides them with income. It provides them with something to do. It provides them with a, you know, meaning and purpose or whatever it is. It provides them with their, you know, ability to be competitive and win. You know, it doesn't make a difference to me, but it is, I think, a worthy topic for everyone to pursue when they're thinking about the future of their business say well what's your current relationship to your business and what's good about it and what's not good about it and then maybe move on and say okay well how do you want that relationship with your business to change in the future and do you have a timeline to go sometimes they do sometimes they don't know when they want to make changes but then okay well what are the things that you want to do more of do less of and the same there's probably some kind of a there's probably some kind of an assessment that actually covers that. I feel like I've seen it somewhere where it's like these, all, you know, what are all of your management and leadership responsibilities and which ones do you currently do and what do you want to do more of, less of, or the same and when? And if we start to look at that, then, you know, you and I as the sort of analytical people can then take that 
and kind of hold it up next to what else is going on in their business, all the other factors that you and I might talk about. And we could say, okay, well, well, uh, what would I have to recommend as an advisor in order for this business owner to get the future relationship that he or she wants with the business? And can the business even support the thing that we're talking about? Maybe another question as well, right? Well, yeah, but that's, that is sort of a different direction. That's the owner who wants to have some involvement with the business. Not unless they they say no. If they say, you know, I don't, so you're specifically talking about owners who say, um, I would like to, what is yours? Yours is I would like to sell, but I don't want to stop working. I I don't want to sell, but I don't don't want to be there. I don't want to, I I do want to stop working. Mm -hmm. I just want to leave the company, but not sell it would be probably the easy way of saying that. That's, that's really what that question was leading to. So that's a different scenario. And again, the one that you were talking about, it's not at all uncommon where Mm -hmm. the owner wants to make, especially in family run businesses, they want to maintain some relationship, some involvement, and it might just be an office. But I don't necessarily think that relationship has to mean involvement. I think, I might want the relationship that I want my business to continue to pay for my trips around the world every year. Yeah. Uh, but or I want, I I want the want business to, to continue me. my compensation. I want to continue mm-hmm. to take a million dollars a year out of it, but just not have to show up. Right. I don't even, yeah, I don't, I don't want them to call me when there's a problem. I would really yeah. prefer that they not that kind of thing. Okay. That's the relationship that you want. You want income and you don't want any headaches. All right. Yeah. Let's see if we can but, for but that. But to your point, I might still want to be able to say, well, you know, I still own the business. Mm-hmm. You might Maybe still want that important. status and that recognition, mm-hmm. but just not go to work. Yeah. And, and then I think the that next presents guy, a different set of planning issues. Right. I think, I think the next guy might say, well, I want continued income. I don't care if you call me an owner or not, and I don't want to go to work. Right. Which is a different set of planning solutions, right? Yeah, or just a different approach to the letter. Owner's maybe tenuous involvement with, with her company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, so what do you do? What would you do with an owner who says, Elizabeth, help me be able to leave my company forever but still have all of the financial and, and maybe legacy benefits of ownership. Mm-hmm. What would the owner have to do? Well, there's a, there's a few different things, but they all are going to fall into sort of like the, uh, you know, there's some topics that we talk about that are involved, you know, making yourself less important, uh, separating yourself from your business, you know, obviously the big one that we spend a lot of time helping people with is that developing your management team, you know, so I think we can talk about that even more here in a second. There's a lot of other stuff that kind of circles around that because, uh, because I want to know, I probably want to look at maybe, you know, is this a business that uh, is in, you know, is in an industry that can continue to support you long-term or is this a buggy whip business and I need to maybe be be aware of the fact that it's it's in an industry that isn't you know it's in a phone book industry or something like that that's not that likely to continue and I might want to look at some other factors like how 
you know, how risky is the business and how concentrated are the customers and things like that. But, you know, the, the big one that really does take quite a lot of work and a lot of advanced planning would be this question of, okay, well, if you're not there, who is, right? right. What are we going to do with those people? So then, okay, I'll put it back to you, John. Then we figure out, we ask that question. Okay, uh, business owner, the one we have today says, you know, I don't, uh, I don't want to be there. I want to continue to, to benefit financially from the company. And then we say, okay, well, if you're not there, who is? And they go, uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. So what are we going to do next? I think we're going to suggest that they stick around for a while. <laughs> for a minute. Yeah, because they can't, you know, obviously they can't leave. They're going to have to find a management team, one or more people. They're going to have to motivate them to continue to have the business succeed, maybe at an increasing level, and they'll be rewarded accordingly. And then we have to prevent them from, if they do leave, taking anything of value from the business, like its customers, its vendor relationship, its employees. Um, so we're going to need to do all of that. So it's really, in a sense, it's basic exit planning or business planning, but with without an ownership transfer. And, exactly. Uh, and, yeah, and we can have it through all the other tools that we use, the phantom stock plan, just deferred compensation plans, all, all of those tools we would continue to use. But we, I guess my, the reason I raised the question is I think that this is an owner position or viewpoint that we, that advisors in general don't think about. They don't address it with the owner because we always are looking at, oh, this is the great tsunami when all the baby boomers are going to want to leave their businesses. Well, they may want to leave their businesses, but they may not want to sell them because right. it's pretty hard to replace the cash flow and compensation of a well-run business with a sale and investing the net proceeds in the stock market. It just can't come close to equaling the amount of income that's available. So I think that's what keeps a lot of them around as owners. Right. But they may be willing, they may have to share some ownership with incoming people. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly one of the things that I've talked to a lot of people about is if they're going to share ownership with incoming people, that's not necessarily bad. And it's not necessarily going to take anything out of the owner's pocket. I remember I worked on a plan. I think it was technically, it was a family business and what we were going to do in that plan was there were two people who were going to take over from a single founder so pretty typical that it takes it takes more uh more people to succeed a an entrepreneur founder than the than the founder themselves so usually you know two or three people who might have to replace this original entrepreneur founder when I was working on a plan uh, with one of our advisors for that, and the thing that we came up with was to sort of look at a plan that would focus on growth of the business. And every time the business grew, we would kind of like reallocate ownership in the company. 
we had a couple of ways we were looking at doing that. Uh, so that, so that the two successors got to be owners and that their percentage of ownership was sort of equal to the growth that they had accomplished in the company so that the remaining ownership of the original owner kind of maintained its value. So maybe I'm, and because I feel like those words really we're not especially clear. Let's say, so it's a, let's say it's a father and two sons. And then what we did is, uh, is we said, okay, well, as the sons grow the business, they're going to receive ownership and father will maintain some ownership. So if, if we start that today, and if in a few years, the sons have doubled the size and the value of the company, they would then be sharing half of the ownership in the business. And the father would have half of the ownership of the business. The two sons each get 25% and dad owns 50%. But because the value of the business has doubled over this period of time, the fact that dad's ownership percentage has been cut in half, his total ownership value has actually stayed the same. So we just get the smaller piece, much, much bigger pie. And he felt really good about saying, okay, well, they'll have to earn their way into ownership. That's really good. They take over. That's really good. They're running the show. That's really good. I'm not sure I'm ready to give anything up. And that kind of planning ends up a, yeah, sort of allowing them to make well. yeah? So I thought that was kind of a fun way to, um, <clears throat> depending on what kind of, a, of, a, of an entity you have, you can do it in a couple of different kind of creative ways. But it was kind of a fun way to say, let's have other people come. Let's have them participate, let's have them take over, and then let's have them benefit from any results that they're able to accomplish, right? Mm -hmm. So That is why we plan, I believe, Elizabeth. <laughs> it is why we plan. And uh, and I think that I think that your point to get all the way back to the beginning is really good, which is that advisors should probably stop focusing on anything that looks like a specific transaction as if it's a finish line. And, and I think that might've been one of the things that, that you were kind of alluding to. And they should instead look at any kind of a transaction that takes place as just one piece in the puzzle or one block that we're using to build our way towards the future. So even in exit planning, it's really, I keep saying it, but I'm waiting for everybody to agree with me. It's not about the exit, it's about the planning. So. That's, so that's where I think advisors can really expand the amount of good that they can do for clients is by being able to focus more on the planning and less on the, less on the exit or any kind of particular transaction. So that is why we plan. I agree. All right. So that has been very good. Thank you very much, John, for being here and for bringing us something to talk about. That is, I agree, very important. And uh, and we'll see everybody next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more content like this, please visit exitplanning.com.